There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support service or person that you feel comfortable with. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs and not everyone will agree with them. I understand that and I hope you do too. Thank you. We carry the past life lessons, experiences, traumas. That's who we project to the world. And I had these labels, I had these things that I was built as, and I just, how could I rewire the brain? And these books that I was reading and paths that I was taking, um, influences that were in that space, they shape-shifted me into a different individual. And organically, it sort of sent me from crime to my global business. And yeah, as you look back on it, it's just priceless. Jeffrey Morgan is a proud Indigenous man, husband and father, living on Gadigal land Eora country in Sydney, Australia. He's an influential, motivating, inspiring mindset and lifestyle coach, running coaching programs, workshops and events. He's a public speaker. He's an advocate to name just a few of the many strings he has to his bow. But they're all with a common theme. It's about helping others to live their best lives and maybe even yours. But life hasn't always been rosy for Jeff. He was living on the streets of Redfern, Sydney at 12, which led him to spending 18 years in and out of Australia's maximum security prisons from 92 until 2010. It took time for Jeff to realise that if he didn't change his mindset, his life would be what it was, just in and out of jail with nothing to look forward to, but more grief, trauma and sadness. So, Jeff decided to take up some educational opportunities available to him and he found himself some mentors. So how, why, and when did he turn his life around? Because he's certainly done that. And Jeff's, I love Jeff's motto. It's embrace your past, present, and future. And that's what I'll be chatting about with Jeff today. How we can learn from our past 
and not ignore it. Enjoying where we are right now in the present and be excited and looking forward to the future. So thanks for joining us, Jeff. It's um, quite a road you have uh, walked. Oh, thanks for having me and um, long introduction. Oh, there's plenty of time and questions, I suppose, to um, dig deep on that and share those lessons of life to those um, that tune into the podcast to enhance their life. Yeah, yeah, there is. And and Jeff, would you like to do an acknowledgement to country? I, I want to. I'd love to pay respects to the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, whose land I stand upon today. To any elders, past, present, or emerging that listen to this, I pay respect to you for the hard fight to allow me as a leader who has taken that opportunity and, and space to step in and continue the journey of our ancestors. Thanks, thanks, Jeff. And I've got to say to the listeners, Jeff and I have been speaking obviously about today and I, I had to, um, I suppose, admit my lack of knowledge of all things Indigenous and Jeff suggested that I watch um, a three-part series on SBS called The Australian Wars. And I was saying to Jeff before, I'm only two episodes in, I've got one to go but I have learned so much and uh, I would think every school in every state in Australia should watch it. It, it was, it's such a powerful series, isn't it, Jeff? And I've got to say thank you for um, highlighting it to me. Absolutely. It's one of the most, as you know, a former police officer, facts are facts and once we were able to sit down and ascertain what truly happened from the journals of the first settlers and many other mm. um, details along that journey from historians and archaeologists, we can make a sound um, decision then to step into a space and have a, a courageous conversation, one that's obviously led um, our country to different directions into the one direction uh, I've got a saying the best race on this planet is human race when we all get on with one another and to do that we just need to seek to understand the situation before we step into any um, conversation and you know as a police officer walking into those courts you have to have facts you can't just uh, uh, allege that someone has done something without any proof of evidence and this series has so much proof of evidence for us as Australians to really unite together and move forward um, more resilient together uh, and and use the past lessons for a brighter future together. Yeah, and you're right about the facts because the people that are interviewed, they are historians, they are uh oh, they've got doctorates, they've got, they are very knowledgeable and, as you say, the facts are there. Like there's journals and journals of letters that were written. Um, it, it is just, yeah, it, it's fascinating um, but also I felt a bit of shame, I've got to say, in uh, watching it. But anyway, look, I, I'll let um, everyone else make up their own mind but I think it's um, a must watch. And like talking about policing, Jeff, I've got to say I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to speak with me because to be honest, I wasn't sure if you would respond to my message because I've got no doubt as a troubled young person, uh, the treatment that you received by police wouldn't have been great. In fact, 
I hate to think. And what I want to say here and now is that I apologise for the behaviour that so many of your people and you uh, have experienced at the hands of police. We've got a long way to go, but slowly we are improving, but we need to. Yeah, look, I, I think we can all learn, as I said, whether it's from our past and um, yeah, as a leader in our community, and when I say our community, it's every single person that lives next door to myself, so it's not just the Aboriginal community. I'm a proud leader there as well, but um, our community means that acknowledgement, seeking to understand situations, how can we be better at the next opportunity and you know, um, be able to have an effective communication to bring a safe outcome for everybody involved and I always say this you know we can go down a path where things are violent and so forth between police and, and those committing crimes or um, you know you can bring it to a head in a, in a different light and conversations sometimes we're able to find out things you look at um, other people that have been through trauma and stress and heartache and when we understand that and they don't have the emotional IQ. And just to clarify to everyone listening, I don't ever promote crime. I don't ever think that it's right or I'm not justifying anything in this conversation. But it's just seeking to understand if a person isn't built, I ran away at 12, my emotional IQ or learning how to deal with things was just through emotions of not being loved by my parents. So it was like F the world and, you know, <laughs> that, that was my whole mentality. And I just took that anger into um, survival, and you combine those two, and it just became a habit, which was, becomes a ritual. And that seeking to understand conversation. If I sat down with some people at the right times, earlier on, early on, um, around the age of twelve, in that piece, uh, the p- pivotal um, directional change would have occurred a lot earlier on and um, the potential to play at South Sydney Rabbitohs when I was younger, those sorts of things would have been the direction of change but I just didn't have the belief and I felt, you know, obviously the emotional IQ as I said before. So sometimes we've got to understand if we don't step in and have a courageous conversation with our neighbour who might be going down a destructive path of life around criminality, Mm. they'll never see or they can't be what they'll never see and just sitting down having these conversations you know funny enough when you're sitting in a bail dock and uh, an officer would actually give you time um and say you know jeff you've got so much potential and you know what do you see yourself doing in the future and i'm like i don't know i could just make money and little conversations of so is it about making money for yourself? And I said, oh, yeah, of course. Well, how am I going to eat? And he said, well, have you ever thought how we all do that? And I was like, no, I don't. And I, I'm a bit nervous or scared by it. And these conversations really almost planted a seed and like the bonsai tree that, you know, you come back and go through that same station and it, and the conversations would evolve. Um, and those conversations were just one of another human being seeing a young kid who just had no way of dealing with things but what he thought was right without the role modelling. And, and, yeah, officers over time would have an impact on you because they were <laughs> – you break it down, you take off the – clothing and the title and the label and it was just another human being interacting with another human being and that person's a part of the community and when we can come into that conversation we can be a part of some beautiful change within the community and that could change or save a life and I think it's one worth um, people understanding the depth of. But but also Jeff I feel 
this is a bit hard to say, but yeah. that should have been a conversation that your parent, like parents, should be having with kids, isn't it? It it's too late when you are in the dock. Well, no, it's no, it's not too late. It's better late than never. Absolutely. But, I, but can I ask what happened? Why were you, uh, let's say, were you abandoned? Is that the word that you were at 12? Like what happened at home? Was it, it was violence? A, or? Yeah, there was a lot of physical violence and um, I, I definitely, my father um, was German-Austrian, so he had the mentality coming out of the war. He came over here by himself and, yeah, obviously they were rebuilding at that point in time and, uh, I just feel the discipline from that side of things, especially back then, was definitely dished out via the fist. Um, okay. And it's as hard as it was, it made me very tough of a nature to be disciplined in my own life. So I, I got his sort of message, would have liked to not have got it the way I got it. But in the end, um, you know, he, I, even then I look at that sort of stuff and think to myself, yeah, um, what lessons did I learn from it and how could I mm. take it instead mm. of mm. focusing on the negative of the situation? This is huge for everybody. When you f- talk about the problem, you always find pain, you know, some past experience, trauma, PTSD, so forth. When you talk about the solution, you always find happiness and it's one of the major components of my program um, that we work with individuals to be able to see things through a different lens rather than being in a light of whether it's a victim or the community or something of that nature. How can we put ourselves in the shoes of? And that way you start to change and shift and whether the shoes are of your old self that was tired of the things that you're telling yourself you're going to do into the light of who you want to become um, and then it could go down a path of, you know, whether there was a victim in a, in a matter and how can they then use that. Maybe they become an advocate for that space, um, just as we were talking about before, Russell Mance as an example, um, yeah. through his journey and his abuse and, and going in and now becoming an advocate for those that have suffered abuse. Uh, and that's, you know, magical because he's changing and saving lives and giving people an opportunity to let go of the past and step into the future and uh, this whole conversation around being, you know, sitting down with people and just seeking to understand um, allows you to understand the 12-year-old kid was being physically abused. So I jumped out the window and I think that's my best option without any thought process around how am I going to get food, where am I sleeping tonight? <laughs> Mm. And um, mm. it led to this life of crime and I was on the streets. Um, by the time I was 16, crime be- had become a normal part of my behaviours. It was just, you know, what you did Gee. to survive. And yeah. um, a lot of the stuff we did uh, initially was just around food or made- getting money to get into a hotel. That was it. There was no lush, yeah, lush lifestyle and driving a Ferrari or anything of that nature. Um it was purely survival and over time the hotels got a bit better. I was like, oh, these are, there's not noise in there, there's not people partying in there. There's, like we were staying in a $20 hotel at the time when I first started and over time the hotels got better, as I said. And then within the lobbies of those hotels I'd talk to people and you'd bump into politicians or yeah, people, that business owners, and I'd never seen any of that. And they'd say, how's your day? What do you do? And then we'd have a conversation. I'd say, what do I do? I don't do anything. And obviously I was lying at the time around what I did, but 
it taught me how they interacted with each other and I started to pick up these traits. But going back to it all, you know, um, that 12-year-old kid got out on the streets and it wasn't something that that kid definitely wanted to do. Um, but in the end, it was what it is. And all I can do is take those lessons from the past um, to make a brighter future. Yeah. And you're right, I suppose um, the maturity of a 12-year-old all um, a 12-year-old, I would imagine, in the position that you were, what they're thinking of doing is just escaping this violence. You don't think um, of that next step. You just want to get out and then, you you know, it's. I suppose it's just almost hour by hour as to how you survive. Uh, can you tell us about how old you were when you first went to jail and what that was like, how you found it? Yeah, it's a good question. I've never looked into it, to be honest, Narelle. I'd say I was 13, 14, maybe even 12. Gee. 12 to 14, yeah. I'd say. Um, it wasn't long after I got caught breaking into some um, shops, I, I believe so, uh, late at night, and we went to Yasma, if I was right at that point in time. Uh, and, I, yeah, to me it was just daunting. Um, but funnily enough, like as much as it was daunting, it was more probably like anything, people starting a new weight loss journey that's fearful, right, fear of the unknown, and a bit of anxiety around it. But once you get there and I realised I've got stable meals, I've got a bed, I've got a roof over my head, to be honest with you, uh, it was sort of like a bit of a home and as much as that sounds crazy, that's just yeah. – and I know I go back in and obviously talk to these kids now and I say, who, you know, who's comfortable here? And a lot of them will put their hand up and I say, who likes being here? And some of them um, will keep their hand up and that just tells me that, some, yeah, if I sit down and they open up to mm-hmm. myself and I tell you about things that have happened to them, in the family home and they feel safer there or more love there. And it's just you got to imagine a 12-year-old kid, look at your kids, own kids at 12 or your nieces, your nephews, someone else's kids that you are great friends with. 12 years of old, I'm, I'm, uh, age, I'm running the streets, breaking into things to get food and survive and sleeping under bridges, uh, climbing on the roof of factories and then finding some sort of covered sheltered part. And some of the stuff you, you'd find, a, yeah, it's just, like, who does that? It's just insane. A 12-year-old kid's tucked in the bed ready to go to school the next day. And, it, yeah, in a caring home, that's there's love, um, there's great life lessons, there's values, morals, and beliefs being built. I just didn't have any of those. It was more about survival. And I actually felt, felt that my values, morals, and beliefs were true to myself and how I survived. Mm-hmm. And I think... Yeah, when you understand that conversation, we can step in and be a part of it. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a kid. Sometimes I'd sit in prison yards and I'd talk to a lot of men, tough men within the system, that when I sat with them individually, they were broken men. But they, the vulnerability, they didn't want to step into that space because one, society had judged them. Now they were yeah, an ex-criminal and you a job and you're no good and all of the above so they just went well i just keep going down this path lane yeah that we as a community if we want all of our community to be at peace a lot more stability safety security we have that um potential i was going to say obligation i say more potential to sit in a space with someone and just 
five-minute conversation could actually pivot somebody from a violent um, normal response into oh, that's how I actually conduct myself and into a, a, a contributing member of the community. And I think that's a powerful one that every one of us should step into. Yeah. You just said then uh, about something about being judged. Um would you are you still judged now and how long have you been out you've been out since 2010 uh have are you still judged now when people know about your past which we will get into at some point yes. but yeah i just i thought while i'm on that while you're on that i'll just ask that yeah like, like um, we obviously the journey of my life has sprang in a lot of media and i've had um interviews conversations news and so forth and a lot of the articles are ex crim, you know, makes good or something of that nature. So uh, I think that's the um, media being the media, and I, you know, I totally understand that. And I'm cool with Chapter 5 and who I am now at Chapter 55. They were two <laughs> totally different. The boy yeah. was not a warrior, and the warrior you see now is the person who's equipped with the emotional IQ to respond, the leadership skills, qualities that – um, every human being within our community I try and pass on to so that they live their greatest life and that means the healthiest, happiest, calmest and most successful version of themselves and that's defined by them. We support them on the program but in general the reason why I do that is because I was able to see that and I, I yeah, to me that's just a powerful journey to be able to step into a space and, and create change. What someone thinks of me isn't my business, how I respond to them Narelle, is the awareness I have of myself. And that means that I know who I am now. And if someone wants yeah. to say X, Y, Z about the old version at Chapter 5, uh, and that's going to make their day, I wish them all the very best. And I don't even need to respond, nor do I get violent or angry about it like I did in the past because that was the only or the first response to of course it was, yeah. It's like the police, yeah. the first response, a crime's committed, I don't know that process, but the siren's going and you head towards the scene, right? That mm. process, the same process for me was I need to make money to survive. I'm going to go out and commit a crime and if something gets in my way, I'll be as violent as I can so I don't go back to jail. And mm. you look behind what kicks the crime off, it's just survival and, yeah, you think I just want to survive and, yeah. Yeah, and it and it's easy for us um, who've never been in that position to judge, um, but I, I I cannot help but think to myself, I I come from a very very um, oh what's the word? Oh, I hate to use the word normal because that's not yeah. right. Um, but my family, I you know, mum and dad, I was loved. Um, Love like I just can't imagine uh, violence in my house because all I ever ever had was love, support. Uh, It's just, and I think to myself, oh, the people that don't have that, yeah. The program, when you turn on your computer and people are saying, um, as a word, they're built like word and they're saying, why won't you operate like Excel? And I'm like, well, I don't know how to operate as Excel because I've only been ever programmed as uh, as Word. And, <laughs> yes. And, and like, and, and I always say the old weight loss theory. Everyone says, "Yep, yeah, I'm going to lose weight this year." I, I, there's, I, if you, I had known how to change my life early, 
and someone said, just sit down, I'll teach you business or come work for us. Even at 12, yeah. I would have done it. And, yeah. and we'll give you yeah. money so you can have your own place yeah. for food. I would have worked my butt off harder than anybody that was in that place. That would have been my mentality. But But you didn't have any direction. You didn't have somebody like that. Hence why you um, commit crime. And, again, we're not condoning committing crime, but you did it um, from what you say. Well, not from what you say. You did it, obviously, to survive. Yes, absolutely. I don't know how you can ever uh, criticise somebody for su- trying to survive. Yeah, once you and when it's hard to understand until you're in that space yourself, and then you realise how um, how powerful that is. Like, you know, mm. you'll do anything and everything. So there, there's a great video on YouTube, and it's probably not the best one in a sense, but. Um, there's a bloke who's successful. It was one of the videos that I watched frequently when I first came home and it was about a bloke who said he wanted to be as successful as this old bloke. The bloke tells him to meet him down the beach. He then says, wear a suit. He comes down to the beach in a suit. He's like, this is weird. Walks him out in the water, starts to drown him and the bloke's kicking, streaming and doing everything he possibly can. And then when he's on his last breath, pulls him up and he says to the old man, are you crazy? And he said, when you want to achieve or get something or do something within your life as bad as you want to breathe, you'll be as successful as, as myself. And I think once you understand, I know that's obviously in this podcast as well, it's probably um, a little bit graphic, but understand the difference. Um, in It's a YouTube video called uh, How Bad Do You Want It? And the thumbnails of a, a, a American bloke doing a push-up um, on artificial grass. But it, it is a great video and a message in the sense of, and it taught me if I want to change my life at that point in time and continue the path that I was taking 13 years ago when I came home, that mm. I have to have a vision to what I truly want in my life. And I, want, I should have it so ingrained or embedded within myself that nothing will stop me in getting my way just like I did when I needed to survive now I'm starting to see my emotional IQ had developed I started to let go of my first responses of violence or survival comes from this action and then I started to shift and I really went at it and uh, that taught me a huge valuable lesson um, that people can they can take away and put into their own life we the problem with that um is that we get comfortable in the spaces that we currently are in but then we go through life and we look back on life with regret because we didn't action our goals dreams aspirations into reality because we had beliefs that people had instilled in ourselves maybe we instilled it in ourselves that we couldn't step up to the plate around x y and z about who we truly wanted to be and um, that's a great message for anybody uh, if i can be uh, the beacon of light to allow you to achieve and believe anything that you want within your life after being and spending over 18 years in maximum security jails across australia to a global business then my question is you've just got to find your why and make it so intentful that you'll step into that every single day. And and we will get to um, your successful, unbelievably successful um, business, but talking about um, questions like this is going to be a million-dollar question, I know, but how can we stop this vicious circle of violence and abuse affecting young people? Like 
do you think it's about education, not so much about money, although I understand uh, to educate requires money. But I suppose the reason I say that is that education is what saved you. In fact, it gave you a lifeline of sorts, didn't it, like a lifeline to another life? Absolutely. I think that was huge. Like when I was there, it's very hard. I think if you're in custody, it's very hard because there's limited spots you might get. Ten, because of the classroom size, you might get mm. 10 people that can do a course for three months, six months, and the jail has X amount of prisoners, hundreds of prisoners in it. You can understand the small percentage that get through those courses. And um, that would – education in any space, in, in, in any realm, whether you're starting a business, the more you read or listen to, especially with YouTube as an example, you've got the greatest potential in the history of the world with the technology that we have to really flip yourself. And I think um, using lived experience with an education background and then combine that with a space where people feel protected um, to be vulnerable and tell a story, uh, if we can create that space for children, as an example, to be able to have that conversation, um, but also bridge a gap between the benefit and value of a, a conversation around, because you've got to understand the kid technically has the um, highest regard for their parents, and even though something bad might be happening in the family home, when I was asked at school, you know, where the bruises come from, I say, oh, we just play football on the weekend or something of that nature, yeah. and they go, it looks yeah. like more than football, like it's everywhere, and I said, yeah, we smash each other. So I was lying as a young kid because I was trying to protect my dad, who I loved, and it's, you know, the old um, Stockholm Syndrome sort of mentality where it's not your captor but that's you know my father was in, in my presence on a regular basis and you didn't you don't think nothing's wrong uh, it'd be something I do quite a lot how do I seek to understand in a spot if I stepped in that space I'd probably be able to give you an answer better in a month's time but understanding how we can get the message from that child's brain saying that it isn't a bad thing but it's actually going to help the conversation or help your father grow into a better individual but in a better conversation and way of putting it. Uh, I think you'll get more people stepping into a space and you're not going to have these damaged kids going into spaces carrying anger, um, male or female, that go out into life. And, you know, in a female sense, they then seek validation of other people to feel loved and cared for. And by mm -hmm. doing so, they then damage themselves even more because now their reputation is they sleep around, as an example, something of that nature. And now we've got these damaged humans going out into society. You know, um, that rolls off onto mental health problems and drug use, alcohol, um, yeah, obviously suicide. Yeah, and then you get on that on that merry-go-round, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. It's bloody hard to get off. Hey, Jeff, you, you talk a lot about your dad. Yeah. What about your mum? Are you – am I going somewhere where you don't really want to go? Or? Oh, no, no, mum was a beautiful person, beautiful nature. But uh, mum – like I look back on mum, probably lack of boundaries – um, we have yes. 13 people in a house on a – oh, actually, I'll rephrase that, 13 kids on a foam mattress, first in best dress. So if you got in the middle, I think, three years to fit on, maybe four, and then the rest of us were around the outside with our heads on the smallest bit of foam and the rest was on dirty lino floor. I'd wake up to cockroaches, okay. rats, 
yeah, Everly Street was um, – got to see the photos, t- type it in and try and find the old archive photos and you'll get it. I'll even send you some after this um, if you attach them to something for people to understand the context. Graffiti, smash windows, rubbish everywhere. You know, in the house there'd be piled up cans in the corner, just things of that nature. And I think once people understand the depth of that conversation, you'd, you'd understand why going from my father's to there wasn't probably um, – it was much of a muchness just in a different way in light and my mother would have so many people there because she was a beautiful caring person but she had no boundaries as to hey rubbish in the bin or stuff of that nature or might have been just so much so much to try and handle Uh, we'd have parties to three in the morning on a on a tuesday night uh or later and then they'd say why are you tired the next day and yeah, there was no food in the fridge. Why aren't you concentrating? I'm like, I'm concentrating. Trust me, I've got about 10% energy and I'm giving you 12%. <laughs> um, but yeah. you, you don't say anything about your mother at the time. But she was a beautiful lady and um, taught me some great um, nurturing, motherly type behaviours that I still carry to this day. Love, kindness, empathy and respect was pretty much like my um, key code to get in the door, get out the door from my mother and grandmother. So if I walked in before you come in, how do you treat people with love, kindness, empathy and respect? And weirdly enough, you know, with through all that crime, um, I, I just didn't connect the dots to I was acting to none of those really uh, the, uh, other than for my selfish self around survival um, I just had no food and I was going to give myself the love kindness empathy and respect towards the food the shelter um, and the, the life I wasn't getting like other kids mm. within my own class yeah I, I was just going to ask then um, that it, it might sound obvious but what was it that you craved as a young boy that you couldn't find? Like what did you wish or hope for? Yeah, it was more just guidance. You know, Dad was up the TAB a lot. Um, he was a heavy gambler. Um, no money on the Friday. Same mum would have everyone over on the Friday. Those parties would roll around to the you know, Wednesday next week until the money ran low and then it would kick off again. Yeah. And it was probably just guidance. Like I felt loved. They, I feel like they, in their weird way, were giving me all that they had. Like I said, I had, I was that kid given twelve percent when I had ten percent battery. Um, I feel they just weren't educated and just didn't know. Father come out from another country. Mother um, was going through the stolen generation um, period, and I think their focus is like anything. If you're driving along and you do the old rub, rubbernecking when you crash, or so there's been a crash, usually there's a, a secondary ca- uh, crash because the car in front um, slowed down and you'll turn your head to have a look and you smash into the back of it. And I think that's what, you know, the best description of my parents was they were so distracted by the first crash that they end up crashing their own lives. And they gave what they perceived as their best. And I just went, oh, they give me all they got. And at some point in time, though, I sort of woke up to it and said, nah, this like, there's got to be better. And it, it came in when I went to friends' places and they were all clean. They had food. We didn't have food. I didn't have three staple meals. I didn't have you know, fruit to go and grab out of the bowl and stuff of that nature. So, um, 
yeah, it's the things we take for granted you just don't have. And I think looking back on that, it was just a lot of love and um, I suppose, I wouldn't say love, more um, just having what everyone else had. Why, why don't we have what they have? What is it that we are doing different and why are we living differently to everybody else? Um, and what was the answer that you came up with? Uh, it wasn't until years later. Now I look at it and just said they weren't equipped with the skills and knowledge and to do. My dad was a baker, mum was a cook, and they did all their best, but then they'd utilise the money to deal with um, dad with his addiction on gambling and and. Thinking he was, uh, you know, funnily enough, I talked to my uncle and he said he, he was going to win something big and get us out of there. So my dad had these yeah. dreams of trying to win some money and get us out of there, you know, on a, on a small pay, pay packet. So you got to look at the emotional IQ, and I mean that in the nicest way to my dad around. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Handling money or investing money, just didn't understand it. And mum was just, her money was being invested back into the family. And as Aboriginal people, it's about making sure everyone gets fed um, and everyone's got a head on the bed, like I said. And uh, yeah, you look at that, to me, they gave me all they had. So I didn't realise that until many years later. And that's the thing, in a moment we judge somebody or we, yeah, especially on the news, oh, I know what's happened here and we judge that person and then you dig deep and you're like, oh, wow, that's like pretty intense. Uh, and I'll never forget a story. I don't, I think it was from Melbourne and she'd been abused for 20 years or something and then she lashed out and obviously um, done something to a partner. And I just think 20 years of just a life wasted really um, in her sense and then she's taken another life. And if we as neighbours can be mindful of this and step in and have a courageous conversation, it could change a whole narrative and help. Jeff, that, that, that's true, mm. but um, but I, I'm not sure how... The re- what the response would be if I heard something going on next door, and I I, I feel the same as you. We've got to um, call it out. We've got to call out stuff that we're uncomfortable with, or stuff that we hear, mm. or we, you know. Um, but what I, I think most people. If I went next door and I said, is everything okay here? I'm going to call the police or maybe not, maybe I wouldn't say that because that would just antagonise things. But if I said, look, is everything okay? I'm hearing a bit of yelling. I think most people would say to F off mm. and mind your own business. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think one yeah. the other day, she turned her live on, on social media and she said, I, I'm not going to accept this. I can hear your wife screaming in there. What's going mm. on? And I was just, mm. blew me away because he came out and said her, exactly what you said. He fired up straight away. And she goes, just so you know, I've got the camera on and you're on live. So you can, you can go at me all you want, but this screaming is not acceptable. That's not normal. And we're going to have a conversation. I'm your neighbour. And I, I don't want to see both of you go through this. So she sort of flipped it and said, it's about not just her, it's about you too. And he then went, look, you know, we've got some problems. And he said, well, would, would you like me to sit down with you both? And it was a beautiful, I just went, wow, that was very powerful. Cause, and it was a female that did that. And I was like, whoa, yes. how, and I think if, yeah, it's pretty in your face, obviously. But even if for me, I'd sit down the next day and say, hey, mate, I heard some noise last night, you know, is everything okay? How are you travelling? Because as as much as we want to check on the female, let's say it was the female as an example, yeah, he, he'll probably say, yeah, I'm fine. I said, well, you know. Which he would. I heard, yeah. I heard some noises last night, man, and I just want to check in that you're both okay. Because if you make it about them, which it is, it's about yes. both parties, yeah. Um, yeah. can bring light to the situation. And even for me, I've helped people um, uh, you know, where blokes stepped away from a relationship. I said, mate, it's toxic. If it's causing you this much stress and you feel you have to control the situation, that's not a relationship mm-hmm. for yourself, mate. You know, because n- nothing stress-wise, you're going to have stress, but ongoing stress, that's not for you. And having those conversations help people see 
a different way to life. I said, if you Absolutely. truly love this yeah. person, you let her go. I said, mate, yeah. because in the end you're both – and a relationship's about not having to fix it every day. It's just about – Will you disagree on something one day? For sure. But do you need to scream at each other every day and, and be absolutely stressed out, imbalance? Your partner feels unsafe, you know, instability, uh, can't even walk in the home without getting anxious or nervous. That's not a great relationship. And I've had those, rela- um, had those conversations with people in those relationships and yeah, even f- friends that I've grown up with and said, mate, um, they've gone through domestic violence. So, mate, listen to me. Um, I'm not here to judge you, but what do you feel that the first response needs to be the response you're dishing out? Yeah. And that and it just helps them see something differently. And I said, do you feel like proud of that? And he'd say, nah, because it's my, you know, bloke I grew up with, I should say. Yeah. That, yeah. If you don't, if you feel embarrassed by it, what would be the a better action? Could you call, mate? You can call me. You, you know that, right? Or walk out around the block and call me and say, mate, I'm stressed out. And what are your thoughts? And I'd be more than happy to say, you know, do a big lap, mate, and go back and just here's my advice on it. And mm. people then start to see a different way because their role modelling was their parents have done it and they think it's okay. Yeah. Once again, yeah. domestic violence, crime, none of the above is acceptable. But as a community member, I'm definitely going to give as much education to those around me to make sure that someone's family doesn't lose somebody. That's how yeah. I think of it. And, you know, yeah, and, and I think sometimes it's just that intervention, let's say by me going next door, yes, they might tell me to F off or whatever, but I also think sometimes you'd sit back and you'd think, gee, that must have been pretty bad for the lady next door to come in and ask if everything's okay. Absolutely. you know, sometimes it might change that mindset. Hey, can we go back to when you were inside and you, um, your lifeline was uh, education? What education course did you do inside? Yeah, uh, so I did a um, bachelor's uh, originally. Well, well, I shouldn't say bachelor's originally. That was the only bachelor's I did, but um, which sort of really shape shifted my life, and it was very. Like what's a bachelor's? A bachelor's degree in nutrition. Oh, <laughs> I, you did a bachelor's degree. So uh, of nutrition science. Long story short, um, yeah. I come out of segregation at Port Phillip Prison. Uh, the professor standing said, "Mate, you look like a pretty smart fellow." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, a bit of a scallywag. Yeah, I do my best." <laughs> and, um, he said, "Would you like to do a university degree?" And I said, "What here?" And that was literally my response because Sydney's a very lock them up, throw away the key, sit out yes. in the yard, go into yep. warrior mode and be, the only action you're getting is punch on action. So race wars and, you know, there's, there's, it's totally – Melbourne was a really good system for rehabilitation, I have to say that, about the um, prison system in Melbourne, totally different okay. than Sydney and, and a, even in Barwon Prison, which was the um, – maximum security prison there i was able to do my university degree there i had a computer in my son just to clarify there's no internet you just get the computer to type your assignments and load them up onto a disc give them to you and you can sort of then go through your assignments like that and that that was that was life-changing to me and in the background of that every time i went through jail i was doing uh, everything obviously you go through the um, offender behavior sort of courses so i was at um 
bank robber and mm. anger management, violence prevention, conflict resolution, those types of things. And I thought, yeah, that built my emotional IQ. I'll never forget. Uh, I got <laughs> the lesson I learned. It was a beautiful one from a lady at Lauren. And she has Jeff, um, Geez, yeah, what do you think of the police at the time? And I was like, ah, F, F the police and all, yeah, bad attitude. And, uh, and all the boys are like, yeah, 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 you know, bad attitude. And long story yeah. short, she says, all right, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. She goes, you got kids, right? I said, yeah, two kids. She goes, your kids go missing. What happens? Who do you call? I said, oh, I'll go get, I'll find it. And they said, you really, you're going to really find them? Really think about it. And I sat there and she goes, so would you call the police? And she said, anyone else got an answer for it? And we all sat there like stunned. Yeah, like, yeah. Call the police. And I said, she said, so why is it okay to call the police then but not, you know, for yourself around what yeah. you're doing? And I was like, Far out. it blew yes. my mind. Yeah. Right? And yeah. as I, going back to these conversations, just being able to see things differently. Um, and she asked further questions around other things that would happen to kids. And I was like, you know, they, oh, it just blew me away. I was like, I've never thought about it like that. And that flipped me in a heartbeat. I was like, man, this I'm just going to change my life. And I'd already done some groundwork. I'd done um, computers, MYOB, business studies, Cert 4. So I was doing all this stuff that was in the background that would I knew would enhance my life. Then I got into um, nutrition courses, um, personal yeah. training course when I was in there. Uh, those sorts of things that I felt would help my business um, in general. Oh, yeah, just a life I sort of had started to journal out every single day in the cell. And that allowed yeah. me to say, this is what I need to do. This course is for me. And it could have been copywriting. It could have been anything and, yeah, any, anything and everything that would help me um, towards what I was passionate about. Other stuff, you know, trades and stuff of that nature, I never did because it just didn't interest me. How did you, where did that, oh, I don't know, fascination or yearn to learn about nutrition and, uh, I don't know, let's say the, the psychological side of, of life, where does that come from? Yeah. Because you obviously got that inside from somewhere, as in inside, in jail. Yeah. You wouldn't have gone there with that um, attitude, I'm sure. No, growing up in Redfern, we had um, uncles, aunties disappear very, like just a community disappear um, from our habits and rituals around lifestyle practices. And then, I, you know, I thought it was just our community that had that problem. And uh, obviously now since I've been home and we, we do that within organisations, communities, uh, businesses, health services, uh, different places and spaces, I suppose, across the country, across the globe, I've realised it's, it's a cultural thing across the world where people, you look at someone with a house and the car and all of the above and a nice family, they still had different problems in the background. But one yeah. thing that was present in our community, people just were dying so young. And I was like, why are they taking those actions around drugs, alcohol, why are they overdose? Why are they, our families dying early from these health issues? Diabetes, cancers, um, heart disease. And, yeah, some of those were 40, 50 my uncles and aunties at the time and I used to think like, I want to know more and how that works um, Arnie was out big Arnie was um, present at the time and you know obviously a um, couple of movies I think it was Predator on um, 
Terminator. And I thought, mm. yeah, I'd love to look like that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> young kid, the old egos in yeah. the way, criminality. Yeah, yeah. Um, it all gets yeah. tidy. And I was like, and then you get locked up and you're like, yeah, let's do some um, workouts because that gets you through your time, improves your mental health. And then I had yep. this obsession um, in the background reading. I love to read and I'd read relentlessly about anything and everything, not just about it could be gut biome, uh, microbiome. It could be about how the brain function. It could be how muscles work. And I just realized um, as an individual, I loved learning about the human body and how it could get how it could get more out of it. And as I did that, I think that was one of the sum of all things as well. I realized, oh, wait a second. Um, that's why your brain functions that way. That's why you carry that into the next thing. And I came up with this term, um, the invisible backpack, where we carry the past life lessons, experiences, traumas, and we that's who we project to the world. And I, you know, I had these labels. I had these things that I was built as, and I just, how could I rewire the brain? And these books that I was reading and, paths that I was taking, um, influences that were in that space, including Arnie, they shaped, you know, they shape-shifted me into a different individual and, yeah, organically it sort of sent me from crime to um, a global business and, yeah, if you look back on it, it's just priceless. Tell, tell us about the business that you've um, managed to, you know, take from nothing to... It's huge now. Tell us about it. Yeah, we don't, we're a global business now. Uh, I started out as a trainer. Have a listen to you. Isn't that amazing? I love it. It's just so inspiring. Yeah, and it, like I don't, you don't really think about it, but I did when we flew over for our first workshop. Um, my partner and I, I yeah, she said you should be very proud of yourself, and yeah, because you're just sort of doing, you're not thinking. And yep. I paused for a moment. I got pretty teary-eyed thinking about it. I was like, it's crazy, you know, that a global business has come over and deliver leadership workshops to us. And I think once you understand that, you know, the kid that threw bricks at police cars, sorry, um, Narelle, but Don't be sorry. I, I, would have, I would have thought there was a lot worse. Uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You, know, you look back on it, you're like, it's just – we only know what we know, but like we turned the global. We I came home. I was a trainer originally to, for six years. Six years in, my um, brother commits suicide, and I, I had done a whole heap during that. Probably, I reckon four years in, I started to do talks at schools, organisations, Aboriginal communities. I had a TV show within two years of coming home. Um, Obviously, they recognised that journey, and you know, to me, that was very powerful. I was like, "Here we go," you know. I'm, I've, mm. I've shifted my life. I made a bad decision when I first came home. I was back into my old habits. Um, the old crew got together. I didn't want to go out. They come um, to my workplace. I kept saying, "No, not interested. Not interested." Roll up at my work. I'm like, "Ah, oh, stuff it. Let's go." They were under surveillance. We get arrested. Um, I think it was. I can't even remember. 2010, like probably the first year of. In the year, I'd say, of coming home, I'd been arrested. And I was like, oh, you know, we get bailed because it wasn't a violent crime, but um, the crimes we committed made some money and I thought, I'm going to yeah, go back into custody. We dragged that out for three years and um, I get to a point and 
the prosecutor saying, mate, yeah, Jeff's a high calibre um, of criminality in, in everything he does. He's been around for a long time. And the judge turns to him and says, I want to ask you a question. How long have you been a prosecutor for? And he goes, oh, 25 years. As Based on what you described, Jeff, I want to ask you how many of those people actually changed their life? And he said, oh, I couldn't mention one. And he goes, yeah. that's why I'm going to yeah. give him community service. He goes, otherwise he'd usually go to jail for three years or something. He goes, I'll be honest. He goes, but like this bloke's on the cusp. This is a, a poignant moment within his life. And, you know, I don't even know who that judge is. I should look it up. But, yeah, I thank him forever um, because mm. it changed my life. And I was, He gave you a second chance. Yeah, he really did. And, yeah, I'd changed by then anyway. But six years in, in between the three years after that and the six years, I started to do these talks. People would recognise me. I'd had the TV show. I didn't capitalise on the TV show, unfortunately. It went out and then we sort of didn't have any PR around it or interviews or anything of that nature which was a real bummer because it would have accelerated us into where we are today I believe but um, long story short uh, I started to do more talks and I step out of PT 2016 um, 218 um, we'd sort of dabbled in it but we're still doing PT so when I say stepped out of PT in a gym I was doing outdoor sessions and sort of between the talks and thing, I was still in the same money and I was loving the freedom of being outside training people. I bet you were. Um, yeah, it was beautifully. Rather than being in the office all day, I was, man, I yep. spent 18 years in a cell, I didn't want to be in an office. <laughs> no. What is that? No. I'd serve yeah. my time in an office. Um, and then yep. um, 218, my sister committed suicide. And then obviously, um, of about 18 months or so, I don't think, um, was it 18 months? Yeah, about 18 months off, I started getting back into it. I had a heap of money saved at that point in time. I said, look, I'm just going to reassess my life, think about what I want to do. I'm getting older. Um, during this time, um, my co-accused who had obviously still gone down that path, went out, committed further crimes, um, robbing banks, armour guards, they get ran by the police, um, taken into custody. They're currently serving 19 years with 14 years on the bottom. They're five years into that sentence. And yeah, even that, Narelle, to me, like, um, I'm proud to have made a strong decision um, not not only for my kids but for myself and the community. And and that would have been so hard, Jeff, because as you've um, intimated before, it's very easy and you did, I suppose, you can fall back into the life that you know uh, rather than make a clean break. It, I cannot imagine the courage and strength that would be required to say, like you're saying now, no, I'm not getting involved in this anymore. Absolutely. I can't imagine. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I, I, same again, I just didn't think I did. And I never, um, long story short, um, at the time, police officers buzzed my door. And from the past, I look, I had a camera. I was in a, um, the camera for the flats. And I looked yep. through the camera open and they go, uh, as soon as I seen the suits, I was like, fuck, this. Use the language. The police are what are they doing here? Like, oh no, yeah, this is something from my past come up going to bite me on the yeah. butt. And yes, mate, just so you know, we we came to. He said, "Can I shake your hand?" And I said, "Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, what's this about?" And I, when I was thinking, when I, he shakes my hand, he's going to put a handcuff on it because yeah, that's, 
his economy. But I was like, look, if they're going to arrest me, why jump off the balcony and run? Like, yeah. That was my head, my head saying, get off the balcony and run. Yeah, of course it would be. Uh, yeah. I just went, like, mate, they're going to get you. Just, you know, whatever it is, it is. And he shakes my hand and he goes, mate, I've got to commend you. We, you were under surveillance for six months. He goes, and I actually, you know, being in that world, they were sort of present at times. I was like, am I under surveillance? I swear I feel like I'm under surveillance, but I was working my butt off. So I was like, yeah, whatever, follow me all you want. I'm going to work. But I just felt the presence and and because I've been of that mindset, so I knew the little signs and things and, and vans and stuff of that nature. And he said, we've been watching for six months, mate. Um, just so you know, the boys got arrested today for X, Y, and Z. And I was like, oh really he goes yeah man you're lucky you made a better choice and I was like yeah man I'm done I said mate my door's open I'm not you know I've got nothing to hide man I just want to move on in my life and I don't know what happened with him I don't I don't want to know I just don't leave me out of everything I just want to live my life and I got to that point now where as this global business uh, we tapped into that strength what did I do to change my life? What, what did I do to make those strong decisions at different times and how did I become a leader in my own life and how could I plug that into any individual in any organisation? And as I said, we travel the world now um, into communities, hospitals, national framework, Ministry of Health, you know, different healths around the country, New South Wales, Queensland, ACT Health as an example, um, developing programs to help People just live healthier, happier, calmer, or probably the healthiest lifestyle they could. And when I say healthy, it's not just about training or nutrition, their thoughts, their mental health, their well-being, um, preventing suicide, these different conversations that are, you know, even domestic violence, as I said, stepping in and having conversations with people, especially in my own community or other men that sit down with myself in men, oh, not even, just people, and they sit down and, because of the vulnerability I give in conversations in, during these workshops, yeah. Yeah. men come out and say, man, you know, I, I want to make a better decision. And then they'll tell me a story and I'll say, mate, you can't change the past, but what you can do is draw a line in the sand right here, right now. Look me in the eyes and from this point on we make better decisions. I want you to tell me what your best perceived um, solution to this problem could be and some of them sit there dumbfounded they're like i only ever known you know my father was violent to my mother and once again no justification no promoting crime here but just saying hey mate what about do you like music what type of music calms you down Mm. do you like Mm. painting could you walk around the block if you walked around the block who would be the three people that you could call because if you say one and they don't get through now they're still stressed out they're going to walk back in and so, yeah, and these strategies, man, I've had people call me at three in the morning you know, and, and have these conversations. I say, mate, it's, I'm proud. At least they're calling you, yeah. as you say. You're in, yeah, yeah. And, and they said, mate, I want to blow up, uh, but I've walked out of the house. And I'm like, mate, I'm so proud of you, man. Like, you know, walk around the block, let's have a chat. And then you, you hear the conversation. I say, mate, leave the phone on. I want to hear that you be a man in this situation. And he will say, mate, I apologise. I realise that that I make you feel X, Y, and Z. And you hear the person break down maybe. You hear him cuddle. and Like that, you know, that's a real-time potential crime scene. And to hear that happening. That you have avoid, that you've helped avoid. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, must be a great feeling. Yeah, it's mm. a great feeling to just, yeah. 
Uh, Jeff, Jeff, what's your um, organisation or your global company? What's um, it called? We, we fly under Jeffrey Morden, the lifestyle program. Um, uh, and as I said, we plug into any organisation, um, community, health service, university, <laughs> anything and everything you could plug. Some we basically plug in into a um, space, and we help that space become each individual within that space become the healthiest, happiest, calmest, most successful version of themselves. And you know, the modules um, or the workshop sessions are geared around, and they have so much flexibility and diversity. We um, bespoke it based around the organisational outcomes and sometimes that's seeking to understand you and um, we've worked with everyone um, from the Department of Defence down to school kids and everyone in between so it's uh, been a great journey and it's been one that I'm very proud of and if I can do it and so so you should be yeah yeah it's a yeah the boy became the warrior as I said and he became a man in the journey and as I became the man, I started to have more responsibility. But, yeah, I take ownership. Like the little things that we grew up um, as a womanising, to be straight out and honest, um, that I'm not proud of. You think it's cool as, it, yeah, in that world, high-five each other and all of the above. Um, but I like my daughter to be, to be treated that way and why are they being treated that way and why do they feel that way? And But more importantly, what could I do to contribute? And for me, I just went... What I can do is be respectful to my next partner, just like I would my mother or grandmother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When it, when you think on this level, and same thing, whether it's a corporate level that we tap into, we get them to think at the highest end of a process, and that means that you like you're operating at a really high level. Um, you know, just like in the police force, when they go into a particular situation let's say it was a siege they've got specific people that go go there for that reason the same principle we're putting these habits into people to really perform at a higher level that they never thought possible but i know coming from the background of where i have to where i am today using the same funnily enough neural the same skills qualities from the background i had well humans determinations determination or commitments commitment disciplines discipline and putting that in from a destructive into a constructive space and that's where the magic happens oh i love it and you know your testament to the fact that uh self-doubt and maybe self-loathing it can be overcome um and in fact you told me something really nice that happened last Tuesday was an anniversary. Can you share that with us? Yeah, that was um, 20 years to the date since my last arrest. Um, we had the Einstein idea as criminals uh, or <laughs> dumbest yeah. criminals. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Friday the 13th, my co-accused at the time turns to me and goes, do you know the date today? And I said, doesn't matter to me. And he goes, you might want to know. I said, oh, I'm not fast. And he said, Friday the 13th, I said, I, I don't believe in that stuff. Who cares? And um, yeah. later on, we we're sitting in Melbourne Watch House, and I was like, maybe I should have looked at the date <laughs> as I look back <laughs> on it. Um, but, you know, it's 20 years to the date, we flipped that. And talking about that self doubt you spoke about, what we. Because we have that invisible backpack and, you know, your teachers tell you don't do that, your parents don't do that, then you go into work, don't do that. 
no wonder so many people have so much self-doubt around who they see their own identity and this is what we build we build identity into people and that identity then shows up to any space at, at a high performance level where they are the best versions of themselves and i always say you know you try and plug um a square into a circle and you're going to have someone that's unhappy it's like yourself if you wanted to work in a particular division of the police force but they say mate you're going down to traffic you'd be like oh, are you joking and yes, we, you're right. Yeah, all right. So <laughs> yeah, the same thing. Go down and um, watch the event. You're like, no, I want to go out and catch these people or whatever it may have been, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. identifying who's in what space and we do this well with organisations because they shift someone who's an absolute gun at IT and they mm. don't even realise the person's so good at IT and they've got the person saying, we've got a role for you in marketing. Oh, yep, yep, sweet, I'll take that. But the person put them in IT and they'll get stuff done, you know, ten times quicker than the person who's actually there in the space who who wants to be yeah. in marketing. And that's it. That's you know, yeah. the human brain. We carry this self doubt so much that when someone like me steps into a space, like if you had that self doubt for yourself, Narelle, what happens is we we distrust the person, the past experiences build us to not believe the person in front of us and the outcomes that they could achieve. And therefore, mm. we distrust that person so much that we don't actually step into the space to step out of our own self-belief. Because if, and yeah, I get messages on social media, hey, Jeff, um, I'll give you an example. Hey, Jeff, what's your one tip on PTSD if there's only one tip you could give? And my answer is always like, if you've identified a gap within your life, then you know that you need some form of help within that element of your life and I want you to think even deeper what about your financials your health your quality of life your inner peace and so forth right um Mm. how are they traveling they say actually I've got that that and that and then I say so what you've identified is that you trust me to give you an answer that will give you an outcome but you won't step into the space because you distrust yourself and you lack belief. My biggest advice to yourself is cross the line and just say, hey, Jeff, you are the person that is going to help myself or whoever that is in your space, and then you'll actually create a better outcome. And we won't have people walking around I call them dead cells. No, it's like a phone that hasn't been charged, and they just you know they'll do what they need to to get by, just like yep. as a twelve-year-old kid. Um, but they won't actually be living up to. You know, ask me, did I want to be a criminal and a bank robber as a twelve-year-old kid? I actually wanted to be um, Tom Cruise, <laughs> Top Gun at the time. So um, it was a different. I actually went to the. Um, you missed that boat. <laughs> I actually went to the Air Force and done the testing, and, and I. Made, oh really? Yeah, I got okay. to the end point and. Uh, during, I think, on the form, I had lied about the criminal record because um, I was yeah. desperate to get in. You know, I was really desperate to get in and Tom Cruise at the time had a huge influence in that space, but I thought, yeah, I'm going to fly one of those jets and be the best fighter pilot. Um, but sure enough, once I did the check, that's where that sort of journey ended. Yep. Yeah. So that, <laughs> that dream crashed, <laughs> yeah, so. came crashing down. Yeah. But, like, definitely step into um, if, you, if you are an individual and you've asked anyone in your space a question around how you could improve yourself in any way, shape, or form, that means you trust that person, my advice to yourself. It's just like when you called Norel to come and solve a crime for yourself as a, you know, police officer that means you trust that person to come out and 
um, do due diligence around a space and hopefully catch someone that's yep. committed a crime to you. So the same thing for us as a business. We you know, trust the person, um, know that the distrust comes from your own disbelief and not one from the other side. And that's how you can distinguish and let go of self-belief and step out of doubt and into um, self-love. Well, Jeff, I've got to say, um, thank you for everything that you do for those um, who've lost their way and feel like they've got nothing to contribute to society because you are uh, proof that uh, you can make a life and a very, very successful life uh, if you put your mind to it and if you, I don't know, I suppose, trust in yourself but trust others as well to help you on that uh, on that journey. Yeah, it's... Um you identify what you want out of life, know your vision, purpose, and why to life because as a 12-year-old kid, my own vision, purpose, and why was what survival. But if you yeah. can write that out, even if you're a young kid listening to this, write out what you want to get out of life. You might want to be Top Gun, um, Tom Cruise, and mm. <laughs> don't get yourself in trouble. And you actually I was going to say, don't do armed robberies <laughs> if you want to be Tom Cruise. <laughs> And, then, if you feel, and fly fighter pilot planes. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> and I say this to everyone, the amount of effort I went to to commit crimes and, and be undetected by the police as a bank robber, as you could imagine, Narelle, mm, um, Yep. You, you look back on that, if I put that same time, energy and effort into a business, and this is my advice Gee, to everyone, you're right. you'll, crush, you'll crush life if you draw it around your passion and you know what your, your vision, purpose and why might be one end, you know, to sit on a beach and throw a line in on the Sunshine Coast here in Australia, which is beautiful sunny place catch some fish walk back with your dog to you think cook that up and read a book versus the other end if you want the lamborghini the the million dollar mansion whatever it is right it's probably 10 million these days in this cost of wage but in general then make your intentions um towards your intentions not towards distractions which means every single effort i make is you know heading towards the direction i want and i'm not here to judge what life you choose to live on either end of that scale or anywhere in between but i'll, I'll make sure that I, I leave this with yourselves make sure that you ha- let go of the self-belief uh, self-doubt and step into self-belief through people who can educate, motivate, inspire you to different ways. And if you sit with someone and you feel you have a question for them, the only question I I suggest you ask them is, where do I um, sign up so I can get the investment um, for myself to live the life that I truly want and then show up for yourself every single day and whatever you do, anyone out there thinking of crime, if you're stuck in crime, my advice to yourself is use the same skills, qualities, that you have in a destructive way, flip them over to the constructive side. You won't have the police kick your door in. You'll, mate, you'll live a, the, 10 times the life you're currently living in. You, we all called, you know, I called it a beautiful life back then, travelling to all locations, spending money and all of the above. I do that. I do 10 times that and I don't have no stress other than if I don't pay my taxes. So it's, you know, it comes down to what you sort of um, put your time, energy and effort into and put it into yourself because you're worth it I love it and I think on that note we finished Jeff but thank you again I can't thank you enough thanks for your time and good luck with everything Matt I truly appreciate your time and um, and, yeah I thank you for your space (laughs) thanks Jeff
As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. (laughs) Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.